you ever wondered what it's like to work in the day of the life of a flight attendant? In this episode, we will be talking about why we decided to apply and work for an airline as cabin crew. We will be sharing passenger stories and giving you some insight into the benefits of the job and the fun, drama, and adventure that comes along with it. My co-host this week, Jack, and I will be talking about our journey in the sky and answering some common questions we often get asked. It's time for Spillin' the Syrup. Today, we have my good friend Jack calling all the way from Halifax, Nova Scotia to co-host this episode with me. He is totally one of the most chill dudes I've ever met, and he is so cool and nice. He also happens to be multi-talented and pursued a lot of different careers, and he will be talking about why being an FA has been one of his favorites so far. Jack, I feel really lucky to be doing this job, and folks out there may not be aware of this, but... Airlines receive thousands of applications for less than 20 positions in some cases. It is really competitive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you for the kind intro, by the way. Um, yeah, it is, I would say, one of the most competitive, definitely, customer service jobs out there. I read an article recently that said the acceptance rate to Harvard Med School is higher than most uh, airlines in the world. Wow, that is insane. It's funny because I think a lot of flight attendants also have other careers. Some of them, I think, actually are doctors or nurses. Maybe they just decided they wanted to just completely change their lifestyle, their nine to five and do something like traveling. And even well, within our initial training class, there was people, there was teachers, nail tech, nurses, all kinds of different people. Funeral directors, me. (laughs) How did you go from a funeral director to a flight attendant? You've definitely, you've got some versatile skills there. So we're going to answer some questions that I've compiled about things that I've been asked and anything you want to add to that. I'm sure that some of them may be the same for you. And the first question is, do you need to speak French in order to be a flight attendant? A lot of flight attendants do, especially in Canada. I think it's only Air Canada that requires it, requires it. It's definitely preferable to be bilingual or to have some sort of a second language, but absolutely not necessary at all. Exactly. Yeah, it's not a must. It's not a requirement. In our case, the safety demonstration plays in both languages. And as long as you know at least that much, then you're fine. Critical announcements are played they're supposed to be played in both languages. And I think that's fair. Do you get to travel all over the world? I would say that's a yes and a no, because of course, for work, we both fly regionally. So short hops, you can end up reasonable ways away, but but nothing too crazy, nothing overseas. But on our travel perks for personal use, yes, we travel essentially anywhere. Whenever I get asked that question, I think to myself, well... No, I go to mostly destinations in Ontario or Montreal or but we do do US destinations as well. And then people ask me what my favorite destination is that I travel to. And often I say St. John's, Newfoundland. And they're like, oh, why? And I'm like, well, the people are really nice. They're like, isn't it like Boston, your favorite? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, Boston's nice. But I think you're right. I think some people think it's 
all international and they expect a different answer. But I think it's actually better in some ways, like you mentioned, to be able to enjoy going to those destinations on your days off rather than just when you're working because you can actually enjoy them and have yeah, fun. Yeah, exactly. And of course, like we have awesome crews that we fly with. Um, but sometimes it's, it's fun to be able to go places with your friends rather than a crew that you just met that day. Although some of my best memories are with crews that I just met that day. That's very true. I think that's actually side note. I think you really need to have that sort of teamwork mentality. And typically the flight attendants that I've worked with have been very friendly. They're very nice. They're easy to work with. They have your back. And I think you need that because if you're not going to be a team player, then it's not going to be a good situation because I think, you know, if something were to happen and you need to use your emergency training, you're working with somebody that you don't like or there's yeah, tension. Exactly. I always tell people it's a job where you become best friends with people every single day. You meet someone and within an hour, you're their best friend for the next four days. Yeah, it's people skills at its heart and that's it and customer service skills. Do you stay overnight in the destinations that you yes, fly we to? Do. I try to to bid bidding for non-industry people is basically how we get our schedules. You basically say, I want this, 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 and based on how high you are on seniority, they say, Yes, you can have that. No, we don't have enough of that for your seniority level because they go top to bottom. So I try to bid for for layovers, but we also do just one day trips. Yeah, we also just do turns, which is we go somewhere, we come right back. Sometimes we stay. Sometimes we just do a single day that's packed from morning to night, as you said. You actually mentioned something that I did want to discuss with and share with our listeners, and that is how our schedules are made and that we have to bid and that it's seniority based. I would say out of all the things I love about being a flight attendant, I would say this is the one drawback for me just because I think it's can be hard to find a work-life balance when you are so low on the seniority list that you don't really get what you ask for and your schedule is pretty much just made up of what's left over. But I mean, not every job isn't perfect. I'd rather, I'd rather have no idea what tomorrow holds than be stuck in an office from nine to five, five days a week. Exactly. I mean, that's the spirit. So the next question, what is the worst thing a passenger has ever done or said to you? And how did you handle it? I get this one a lot. What what do you do if someone, you know, it becomes yeah. unruly? I mean, obviously we have our training for all of that. It's very procedural. Like we, we have a very specific way of dealing with certain scenarios, maintain the safety in the aircraft. Obviously it's customer service and humans are humans and air travel is a really stressful process. But I must say we have really, really good passengers. Like I feel so lucky sometimes. I have a few friends at other airlines and they'll tell me these wild stories never happened to me. Yeah, our passengers are chill. Uh, we have a lot of leisure travelers. We have some business travelers, families with a lot of kids. Obviously, they are going to need more attention when they travel. They have more needs. At the heart of our job, it's actually following procedures, adhering to safety regulations, it's not serving drinks. <laughs> no, 
Not at all. Well, it's three weeks on safety and like half a week on how to serve a Diet Coke in the sky. Right. So that just shows the importance of that. I am really proud to do that kind of job that's safety focused and enforcing it. I think that I thrive in those kind of careers and I think you do too. And if you're that kind of person that loves that following procedure and knowing it and, and what to do, then this is definitely a job for you. I'm very fortunate because I don't think I've ever had any situations that have gone really bad. Usually I just try to be, I try to be honest with people. If you do this, there will be a consequence such as whatever you won't be able to, unfortunately you won't be able to fly with us today because you don't meet safety regulations and I don't want to have to do this, but I'm going to have to remove you from this flight and put you on a different flight at a different time or whatever the case may be in the air. I haven't had any situations that have warranted us to land the plane because of passengers. And you're starting to hear a lot of this a lot more lately. And like you said, you have to be understanding to humans are humans. And with our training, the way you approach somebody, you might be able to diffuse the situation and get a hold on it before it potentially could become worse. Exactly. I'd say 99.99% of situations that arise on board can be with some tactful de-escalation be dealt with before anything becomes a real, real challenge. I think it's, it's all about just recognizing things and dealing with it as soon as you see it rather than waiting and having it turn into a real issue. I don't know if you saw the Southwest new policy, Southwest Airlines, they're not serving alcohol anymore because of a passenger assaulting an FA. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I, I find it crazy. And there's a few other airlines in the state that are doing that, that are sending alcohol service or suspending it um, with the exception of one free drink for business class. Um, I know quite a few airlines are doing that now. And it, it seems very interesting, quite the concept, especially when most of them just came back from not doing any service at all. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually kind of surprised. I think because in my mind and I think from our training, my opinion on that is without obviously setting being in the position to set these policies or or understand what actually happened is obviously it's very serious and we have the power to stop alcohol on flights if people don't know that. That is you are it's your cabin. If you feel that it's a threat to safety and other people's safety, then don't serve alcohol. But at the same time, you're going to punish everybody else that wants a drink. It doesn't really seem fair either. Like alcohol can make people act differently, as we know from training. And these are things that you learn as a flight attendant. And especially when you're in the air, if anyone's ever flown and had a few drinks, you know, the alcohol hits you harder. Yeah, I don't even drink. Like when I'm leisure flying, I don't drink because I just, I, I can't deal with it. <laughs> like, because you land and yeah, because like, I'll think like, oh, like two drinks on a, on a three hour flight. That's not bad. And then you land and I'm like, whoa, I do not want to be this way. Yeah, you feel it. I was flying uh, WestJet's premium economy business class that they have. The last time I flew and the FA, he was so great. He was just giving me wine. I think I had like two or three 
glasses of wine. And then he asked me if I wanted a coffee. And I said, yes, because I need this coffee right now. (laughs) (laughs) How much money do you make? (laughs) That is a frequent yet difficult question to answer because it really depends on the month that you've had. Because every airline's different in their pay structure. And basically, the, the, the commonalities within airlines is that there's always an hourly wage, uh, which is very vast in terms of what it could be. I've, I've heard 15, I've heard 30. It's, it's different everywhere. And then there's a minimum guaranteed hours, which is how many hours you'll get paid for, regardless of what you fly. And then there's per diems, which is what you get paid in compensation for being away from your base to pay for your food supplies. Yeah, it varies so much from airline to airline. I know a lot of people at airlines that can basically make their paycheck double with per diems, with like being away from their base for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, really airline dependent and, and fluctuates a lot. Even within an airline, it, it fluctuate a lot from month to month. Yeah, exactly. There was an article I read, and it was about a Delta flight attendant, and I, I'm just going to reference it really quickly because this was wild. She was 79. They were 79 years old. They had been working for Delta for, like, forever, 57 years, and allegedly she was making $250,000 on her pay scale a year, allegedly she got fired for stealing a carton of milk. And I thought, I read that article. I want to be on her pay scale because this is what I also say to people is if you are senior flight attendant, depending on your airline, you can make big bank. As you say, you can also, and I think this is more for us. You can work overtime. You can do a lot of pairings, be away from base a lot, just racking that per diem, as you said. And make an extra buck that way. But I will say is that if you're looking to be a millionaire, this is probably not what you want to do. <laughs> no. Unless you want to fly for 57 years and make 250k. Yeah, ex- exactly. What do you do if a passenger on your flight dies? I've actually gotten this multiple times. I have as well. As you mentioned earlier in this episode, you are a funeral director also. So dealing with death is something that you would have had to deal with there. And I say to people is I am like, well, I'm not going to draw attention to it and make a big spectacle. They're like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, what can I do? I mean, put their seatbelt on for them and hope for the best. Exactly. You deal with it discreetly. There's not really much you can do in that situation like i know cruise ships have more right cruises are two weeks long so you need that exactly yeah that's that's a good point and this is something we touched on earlier what qualifications do you need to work as an fa and we've been referencing training throughout this podcast it's important to note that you must pass your airline's training program upon getting hired yes <laughs> usually that is composed of safety component and a service component and in that you will learn everything that you need to know typically you have to be 
of a physical height tall enough to reach the overhead bins to close them. And I would say that you can't be claustrophobic of any nature because you're working in a cabin, which is small, sometimes in close proximity to somebody else. I know people who have a fear of height, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Even I, like, I'll get, if I'm up on a, like, walking across a bridge or something like that, like, I walked, what's that bridge in um, New York City that you can walk on? It's really tall. Brooklyn Bridge? Yeah, the Brooklyn Bridge. I can't believe I blanked on that. That's such a household name. But yeah, I walked across that bridge once, and I was a mess. But I have no problem flying. Like, absolutely none. So weird. Well, it is kind of weird to think sometimes when you're up there how high you are up there you just get used to it yeah and and i mean it's also like it's a little bit more odd as as a flight attendant operating because you're standing 90 percent of the time that's true you only really are sitting when it's necessary so like the perspective of kind of the motions of flying is completely different yeah that's very true yeah it's different when you're working and standing makes me think of things like turbulence and other things you need to be aware of. You need to be constantly just be aware. Passengers sometimes think a little bit of turbulence is a big thing or uh, they react like, oh my goodness, the plane is shaking. This is terrible. This is horrible. This should not be happening. And we're just there like, yeah, la 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 la. Yeah, like it's not a big deal. And usually that's what they, isn't that what they say? If you look at, your crew and they are not freaking out then chances are whatever's happening is completely normal yeah and i mean we we get people with fears of flying all of the time and i always say to them ask me any question you want if you hear a noise if you get like because there's so many different noises and motions when you're flying that if you're already on high alert like if you're already anxious of course everything seems amplified so the sound of the landing landing gear coming down could totally freak you out and then, you know, just talk to your cabin crew. What was that? That was the landing gear coming down. It's all good. Yeah, that's a really good point. And also, if you are a person that is scared of flying, that's normal. And tell us, and we'll make your life, like, we'll, we'll help you, and, and it'll be a, a, a great experience, because we know how to help. We can tell you that it's normal. We have the knowledge of, we literally know how a plane flies, the, the forces of flight. We even know different parts of an aircraft. Yeah, we know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that sometimes is, is reassuring for people too. What tips do you have to get cheap flights? There's a lot out there and information about that. I get discounts on our interline flight partners that our airline gives to us. And that means we can get discounted tickets at more than 50%. That is a great perk. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I. it's funny. People always ask flight attendants, like, how do you get a cheap flight? Or can I have a buddy pass? And like, the answer is always either I don't know or no. <laughs> but like, if you guys want deals on hotels, I know where to find those because <laughs> we don't get free hotels if we're flying for fun. Yeah, shout out to Nova Scotia Tourism. And if you're looking for a place to travel when travel is able to happen, check that out because we need to support the tourism industry and the airline industry too. Honestly, if I was to recommend people, I would just, I would try not to book last minute. I would try to use different search engines, try going to the airline's website, just look around because often what you find 
or you think you've found a great deal is actually still overpriced. If you're looking to save money and then if you're looking to fly business, well, I'm not sure because business is just expensive. Yeah, you just need at that point, you need to get a travel rewards credit card. Like if you want to fly business class. I wanted to briefly talk about portrayal in the media which is kind of funny and people's to me and people's misconceptions and evolutions of the image from the steward and the stewardess and the trolley dolly. And all you do is push carts to the modern image of the flight attendant or the cabin crew and working now very closely with the pilots now is the culture of, of the workplace now and how, how that's really changed. I just think that's really interesting. Flying as portrayed as was as being very glamorous, something for the rich. And now it's pretty much accessible to everybody. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's airline for everybody, tickets for, like, it, it, there's no reason not to fly anymore. Not an exclusive thing. Yeah. In conclusion, if you're listening to this, you should remember the big big world out there is actually smaller than you think. Being a flight attendant has reinforced my belief that life is an adventure. If you've never been on a plane or you might be scared to fly, remember that flying is statistically one of the safest modes of transport. And Jack will also verify this fact. Yes, I don't know if this is an actual scientific or studied fact, but I heard once, so I can't confirm this, but I heard once that the only method of transportation safer than an airplane is an elevator. And an elevator doesn't get you anywhere fun. Oh, wow. Again, it needs to be fact-checked, but I believe it. Yeah, there's different checks and balances, and when everybody does their job and knows what they're doing, then if somebody misses something, then somebody may be able to catch what that person missed and may be able to spot this. And we also actually rely on our passengers as well to be like, I see something. I see smoke. I smell this. Oh, shit. That's not good. That's very bad. Thanks for letting me know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We will look into any concern that is brought to us. Thanks, Jack, for being on Spillin' and letting our listeners get to know you. Thank you for having me. Funny, unfiltered real talk with spontaneous comedic charm. Together, we can just about syrup over anything where two friends get together and talk about whatever is on their minds. Until next time in two weeks for more Spilling the Syrup.